It's an opportunity attack. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And Greg is running a little late. He'll be in in just a little bit because, well, I think he's uh, probably out cashing some checks because this topic is going to be about how we spend our money on that infamous Kickstarter. Well, not cashing checks, writing checks in Greg's. Yeah, writing checks, writing checks. He's not cashing checks. Well, unless he's hiding the money from his wife and, you know, putting it in a different account. Yeah, that might be the case. (laughs) He probably has a whole storage unit for his dice. I imagine so. We'll have to ask him once he gets in here. So anyway, before we get started, we always have our little segment about the games that we've been playing. So here it is. It's the games people play. All right, Eric, so what have you been doing since the last time we got together? Actually, I had, uh, I did a lot. I went up to a local convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up to LodgeCon in Piatone, Illinois. Um, it was, uh, turned out, it's, it's not a very large convention. It's about 300 or so. Two, it's actually smaller than Winter War? Yeah, um, yeah. And it was at the Will County Fairgrounds, actually a decent site, Uh but the organizer, and I, I don't recall his name off the top of my head, uh, he's sort of really been pushing it hard. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media. So I decided I'd go up, uh, give it a give it a you know, look-see, see how it worked. And, um, you know, it was a small convention. You're only going to get so much gaming in a small convention. They had two tables for Adventures League. A huge Pathfinder presence, uh, and that's really that's consistent for our area. The Pathfinder organized play is really strong. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, because, you know, Wizards dropped the ball in 4th edition and, you know, everybody. So D&D is still playing catch-up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for organized play, if you're already, bought, you know, have bought into the Pathfinder organized play, why would you switch? You know, you're getting getting your fix and, and you got your characters. So um, it hurts them in the long term. But I think, you know, eventually people sort of end up where they belong. Um, yeah. As long as they're gaming and they're happy, hey, more power to them. Can't fault that. Um, and they had a big sort of a Warhammer. Some f- it was it wasn't forty k. It was a fantasy based one. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. They told me the name. I don't remember. Um, so you know, good time game. And I played three games. Just went up for the day. Uh, all D and D. But they did have like twenty vendors. So uh, I mean, vendors from the south side of Chicago. That that area. Yeah, I met people area? from the north side of Chicago that had traveled down. Um, some from uh, Indiana. They talked about a lot about Winter Fantasy, which is a convention I have not been to. I've not in, even heard of it. I think it's up in Gary, Indiana. Okay. Um, and it happened. It was happening like or it happens around the same time. It's around this time of year. So I might check that out next year because. That was a, sort of a big deal. So did they have much in the way of other gaming outside of the uh, D&D? Not really. League? I mean, they're try- I think uh, they're trying to sort of make it a all-encompassing convention. He also uh, had organized some workshops and panels. And actually, I had sent you a, a clip of a woman <laughs> singing pop songs in Klingon. Um, I mean, I love if you have a passion for that type of stuff, go for it. Knock yourself out. But that has... Never been good. She was a good singer. Yes. And a lot of songs from the 80s, I would actually probably prefer to just hear her sing the regular. <laughs> but I was thinking about it. It was essentially like karaoke and Klingon. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, you know, to have 20 vendors at a convention that size, there, he was. Uh, they were also sort of pushing cosplay. There were some cosplayers there, which you almost never see at a convention that small. Right. I think he's playing the long game. He wants this to continue to grow. I mean, the the fairgrounds are a huge site. Um, they probably could expand there for quite a while. Uh, How many years has it been going on? This was on? the fourth year. Okay. The first year he said it was in a game store, um, and then they've uh, expanded from there. So this was number four. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, so it was a good time. It was only about an hour and a half drive, uh, you know, one uh, one day. It, it, went, it was a multi-day convention. I only went for Saturday. So. Okay. So it was good times. I mean, I'll, I'll probably head up again next year. And for you and I, that's really not that long of a drive from where we're located. Maybe no, no. an hour, hour and a half. It's an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, now, the first game started at 8, so that's a when you come for the day. Yes. <laughs> leaving pretty early in the morning for for some D&D. But, right. Uh, well, for me, I wanted to play some D&D uh, over the last weekend, but I could not get my players to schedule. I just couldn't get them together. 
Um, Sunday seems to be the only day that the majority of them can make it, and then that Sunday just kind of fell apart because of weather and everything else. Um, so I didn't get to do the uh, the planned session for D&D that I had, so I, hopefully we're going to happen, it's going to happen this weekend or later in the week. And then we did get a uh, another Gaming at the Bar where we played two games of Ticket to Ride and had a really good time. And, well, some of the gamers stayed a lot later than I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you play at a bar. <laughs> they closed it down. Yeah. They closed it down. And we also participated in an escape room. I really enjoy escape rooms. Um, I've done an, a small escape room with you, and I think that... Yeah. Uh, that's something that you would really enjoy a lot. Too. Yeah, I've done a couple of them. Um, just always run into the too many hobbies, not enough time right. scenario. Yeah. This escape room was here locally. It was at uh, one of the local game stores, Brainstorms, and it was fun. It was the Zombie Pets one, and it was supposed to be one of, the, one of their more difficult ones, and they kind of translated more difficult means you need more people, uh. and that does not always equate yeah. And there was too many people. We had one, two, three. We had 10 people wow. in it. And you are separated, and I won't give anything away, you are separated at first into two groups. But once the groups get together, oh, man, it's uh, almost too much with 10 people. Escape rooms are sort of this weird niche because a lot of them seem to be drifting almost towards LARP. you like... You're in this scenario. That is very true. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's still problems. I mean, it's just a weird, I mean, they're fun. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Uh, it's very true. I can see where LARP may become a bigger part of escape rooms. Yeah. So I'm actually working on an escape room slash paintball game <laughs> with a nice. paintball field owner. So nice. I'll bring you along for playtesting. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I haven't done paintball in a while. Well, we don't know what Greg did because he's not yet here, so uh, let's just... Uh, he might have forgotten. Who knows? Uh, he's a busy guy. He's a busy... We'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he did play some games over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's our segment of Games People Play. All right, so as I alluded to in the beginning, we are going to be talking about Kickstarter. Now, this could be a problematic uh, episode because if uh, our significant others are listening, they may not know how much we've spent on some of these Kickstarters. <laughs> yeah, it, and and the timing of when you pay for it sometimes catches you by surprise. Oh, boy, oh, boy, does it ever. Ooh, it's like, uh, wait, mortgages do when? But yeah. the Kickstarter. Yeah, that, yeah. that happened... Um, with Gen Con last year, there was a Kickstarter that closed right when Gen Con was sort of going on. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from several people they did not back the Kickstarter. And I don't recall exactly which one it was, but because they wanted that money for Gen Con. That's an interesting that, thing. You need to kind of plan when your Kickstarter ends. Don't have it end somewhere around Christmas. Yeah. yeah. That would be the big one. Um, that's interesting. I had not heard that. Yeah. So anyway, Kickstarter started back in 2012, and um, if you don't know what Kickstarter is, it's basically entrepreneurs who are putting out a proposed project, and they want you to help them pay for it so they can bring it to production and into your hands. Now, we're going to focus mainly on board game and gaming-related Kickstarters, but uh, since here's a little bit of trivia for you. Kickstarter, since it's launched... In 2012, as of October 2018, it has launched 429,347 different projects. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's I a mean, lot. it's essentially projects that might never see the light of day if it wasn't for crowdfunding. Um, that's, that's very true. Very true. Now, since 2012 also, and I want to ask you this question, um, how many dollars, U.S. dollars, do you think have been pledged to these Kickstarters? Uh, I'm going to guess $4.06 billion U.S. dollars. Gosh darn it, I was hoping he hadn't <laughs> read the outline. <laughs> yeah, $4.06 4 billion dollars yeah. pledged to uh, projects on the platform. That's impressive. Well, and, you know, not not to get political, but I... I was going to go there, I, too. I do remember one person, you know, the whole southern border wall, you know, which I think we need a northern border wall because those <laughs> friggin' Canadians, okay, don't get me started. Um, 
Anyway. They bring down those polar vortexes all the yes, time. That's right. We need a wall against the... But anyway, somebody said, well, we should crowdfund the wall. And I was like, okay, so Kickstarter has raised $4 billion, but the wall is $5 billion. Well, <laughs> 5. yeah. 5.7. So if you took every single Kickstarter over seven years, so, uh, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And, you know, the, the wall is one project. These are all of the projects. Yeah, but yeah. if you think about it... $4.6 billion donated to basically leisure time activities. Yeah. We could solve so much of our debt if we just fundraised. If everybody donated 150 bucks, right? No. No. <laughs> National debt's like, what, trillions I know, or something. I know, but we It's can, a lot. But we, no, I mean, and, and it goes along with like, I know, I don't know if you have, but um, I've donated money. Natural disasters, mm -hmm. they have, you know- Text this and you donate twenty dollars to the hurricane victims. Right, I've done that because it's so easy. And Very Kickstarter easy. is a similar. Like, yes. oh, I just look, I click. If it succeeds, they take some money and hopefully I get something. Yeah, right. And one last little bit of uh, trivia: the percentage of successfully funded Kickstarter projects is much lower than I expected. Me too. Thirty-six point six three percent out of all of the projects. That were proposed, only 36% made it. I think that's because we don't see the ones that don't get funded. Yeah, that's true. I think we back a little bit uh, better projects or a little bit more feasible. So, mm, you yeah. Know. So, for people who don't know Kickstarter, you go to the Kickstarter website. There's other crowdfunding sites too, but Kickstarter is a big one. You can do a search, you know, they have it categorized. And if something catches your interest, you say, I wanna, I wanna contribute, I wanna, and there's different pledge levels, you get different things. Right. So we do fund uh, a lot of the Kickstarters. I mean, personally, you and I both have uh, uh, put a lot of money into these projects, but the biggest ones I've not even donated to. Did you donate to, uh, and I'm going to list those here real quick, Kingdom Death so, Monster. Yeah, Go ahead. So Kingdom Death, right. Monster 1.5, which I had no idea what it was. I have a coworker who backs that and yeah. spent thousands, thousands of dollars on Kingdom Death. But here's another aspect of Kickstarter. He resells okay. a lot of his stuff. And we'll um, get into that we'll a little get, we'll bit. We'll talk about that. So um, I have not, but it is, you know, that was a big one. It had uh, almost 20,000 backers or 19.5 thousand backers. Um, and it was 12,393. Yeah. But the Kingdom Death dollars. game is what like $500. Okay. But what is Kingdom Death? Is it a role playing no, game? It's a is board it a, game. It's a board game. But it's a. Uh, it's a kind of game you leave set up for, okay. you know, I think a, an entire game is probably 8 to 12 hours or something. I'm just talking off the top of my head. I've I've had minor conversations with my coworker. Um, there's, like, turn phases, mm -hmm. and everybody does, you know, something during this and that. And, that, and he says it's, it takes a long time to play a game. Um, but it must be fun for them. It is, and it's got a pretty – the way he was describing it, it seems like a game that if I – if I had the time, I would be interested in, in learning it. It seems, like but that a must be cool the game. only game they play. Um, he, he does other board games. He's mostly a board game guy, but mm. they also have tons of cool miniatures for it. Okay, so right. that's another part aspect. Yeah, the uh, second most funded game, if you want to call it a game or a board game, it's not really a board game; it's a card game. Card game is Exploding Kittens with eight million. $782,000. I have that game. I did not so back I. it. I backed it. You did back it? I did back it. Um, why did you back it? Uh, because everybody else was backing it. And I was like, and at the time I had younger kids at home. It mm -hmm. seemed like, you know, uh, seemed like a game they would like. Uh, there's another game that's similar that name is escaping me. Um, but that sort of card, fast moving card game. Yeah. Um, and I see on your outline notes, you're you're not really sure. You say it's a so-so game. I would 100% agree with you on yeah. that. I have no idea why that game took off as well I as have it no did. Idea. I have a suspicion that because it was uh, maybe it included the not safe for work edition with it. I, I guess. I don't have that edition. But, but it, as a game, it's okay. But if somebody said, hey, we're going to play Exploding Kittens tonight at the, you know, around the table, I'd be like, 
okay. At, at the bar, you would be like, I need another beer. Yeah, exactly. It's not that great of a game. No, it's it's just like a it's a fast moving. I it's okay, especially for like, you know, younger if you have a mm-hmm. 12, 11, 12 year old, it's probably a fun game for them, yeah. you know. And then the third most uh uh third biggest game is the seventh continent what goes up must come down and that's an expansion for a base game and it was over seven million dollars no idea i have a friend of mine who backed it and he was very excited about it but i've not seen him talk about it or play it i couldn't even is seven continent an rpg or is a table i think it's a i think it's a board game it's an exploration board game i don't know if any of our (laughs) listeners do know about it Chime in. Let us know. Give us a little bit of feedback about what it is. So anyway, uh, those are the three. And that's, you know, 12 million, almost 9 million, and $7 million. Yeah. So so um, let's talk about our experience with Kickstarter. Um, you and I and Greg have all been involved in Kickstarters. What was your first backing? What did you do? The first thing that you did with the Kickstarter. I was very reluctant to get into Kickstarter because I was like, uh, you're trying to promise me something and you're wanting me to pay the money for it. I didn't understand at first that, you know, if it didn't, if it wasn't successful, it wasn't going to cost me anything. Um, I was a little naive. I was also just a little, you know, nervous about the whole idea of sending somebody money and then them try to produce something and not get anything in the end. Yeah. Um, so, actually, my recollection of what I backed first was totally off. Um, I have this really cool dice tower, mm-hmm. and I had always thought that was my first Kickstarter I backed. Um, but, in fact, that was like two years after. Uh, really? Apparently, looking at my Kickstarter history, because you can pull up, my first one was uh, Shadowrun Returns, which is a video game based on Shadowrun. I was right. a huge Shadowrun player back in, in college. Um, loved that game. So I backed that. Um, so I started with video games. My next one was also a video game, Dead State, the zombie uh, survival RPG, um, which I've played a little bit. And then I got into what I basically ended up at for the rest of the time, uh, Bones uh, Reaper Miniatures. Uh, and that was... A, Dropped a hundred dollars on that, yeah. And I said it was two hundred and twelve minis, um, which is a good good rate of return. I mean, it, that was a, and that's really for me where Kickstarter came to fruition because they said for a hundred dollars we'll give you a hundred minis, but every time we reach a goal we're going to add more minis mm-hmm. to that set. So you still only pay a hundred, but you get even more and more. Even and, more. And that, I mean, that was a. It must have gone over a million dollars. I don't recall exactly. How many minis did you get? 212. 212. Yeah. And some of them were like big giant size, yeah. which you normally run. And they're they're a, sort of a flexible plastic, so they're not the super high quality, but that was their marketing. They're like, listen, we can produce these minis for, for less because we're going to use this material. And, and they're also sort of a pain to prime if you don't do it correctly. But um, they- You s- use them for your gaming then? Oh, yeah. I, I okay. still, and you know, I've painted some of them. Um, and I believe right now I'm waiting on Bones 4, maybe. Yeah. Um, let me see. And that should be delivered here cool. coming up coming up real quick, which, again, they sort of stuck with the same one. Yeah, it's Bones 4. Um, stuck with the same model yeah. where they offer. They, I don't think they're quite as uh, generous as they were at the first one. but. Well, I my first one was... They were kind of back to back, um, and both were the result of seeing them at Gen Con, and this was in uh, twenty. I'm guessing 2013. Uh, the Geek Out Geek Bar that was supposed to be set up in Chicago, I donated twenty five dollars for them to set up a a geek bar, and then you got in a 50, Chicago. Dude. Yes, and it was a fifty dollar gift certificate. So when you went up and visited, well, I got the you know they set it up, and I got the fifty dollar gift. And then certificate. they closed before you could. And use then it. they closed before I could get there. Um, yes. And then the other one, um, which I was very happy with, was Golem Arcana, which was kind of an app-based uh, miniature board game with these really cool miniatures. And it took off like wildfire. And it went big and strong for two years, two and a half years. These are the same people who are now producing Battletech, yeah, the video game or the PC game. Uh, Golem Arcana, great game. My son and I really enjoyed playing it. 
And then the uh, iOS system kept upgrading so much, they couldn't afford to pay people to keep upgrading the yeah. app. And so they had to basically let it die. And they're trying, last time I talked to them, when it was the last year, they're trying to sell the the rights to it to someone who will kind of restart it. Yeah. So, and also a very early one for me that I was the most disappointed in, I hate to say it, Star Trek Axanar. The video, or not the video game, the actual film, they were going to make a film okay. of Star Trek. See, and then CBS kind of got into it, and then they realized that production costs were really high, and they really never delivered on anything except a prelude, you know, a kind of a trailer of sorts. Yeah. Um, you ask in, in the outline, you think, have you ever gotten burned? And when you go for the artsy ones, mm-hmm. you're really risking it. Yep. Uh, another one that I got burned on was the Dungeons & Dragons, a documentary. It mm-hmm. was successfully funded. But nothing has come of it. Um, and that was in May of 2014. Uh, did you back that one too? No, I did have one that I thought about that got canceled, that canceled the pledge for uh, Ernie Gygax. Yeah. He had something going on and I thought about it. Um, I, I have backed in terms of the artsy ones um, really early. Uh, woman who's still who's going gangbusters now this was her first year she put together a conquest journal for like people who go to conventions mm-hmm. it was like a scrapbook and yeah. i got one for trinity yeah um she still has it and it was really nice i mean and it's definitely worth it and she's since expanded so i felt good about that did she really need it probably not but no. but it was a good idea for for kids going to conventions they can collect whatever um i have backed um a couple of the movies um, the maybe I haven't. Hold on, I'm looking at my list now. <laughs> yeah, um, you and I both have a fairly significant list. Oh yeah, here. the secrets of Blackmore and the dreams in Gary's basement. I try to be an equal opportunity person. Right. So one is about sort of Gary's influence, Gary Gygax's influence mm-hmm. on D and D, and the other one is about Dave Arneson because he was the co-creator, co-creator of D and D and had the Blackmore campaign. So there's mm-hmm. a large group of people. Sometimes I get the impression they have a chip on their shoulder about the whole Gary Dave thing, but other times I get the impression they just want that that part of the history out there, which is a part of, that's where I come from. Like yes. I want to know about you know because it wasn't highlighted. There was all those problems early Dungeons and Dragons between uh, Dave and Gary in terms of who owned things or lawsuits. So the information was basically not able to be released because of those lawsuits. So it is good we're at a place now where we can hear about um, some of the influence that uh, you know Dave Arneson had mm-hmm. on the game because clearly he was a co-creator. I'll have to watch that when you finally get it. They're doing a preview at. Um, Gary Con, I think. Yeah, for both uh, Dreams yeah. in Gary's Basement and the uh, Blackmore one. Maybe yeah. there'll be a rumble. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I don't So think those so. are really the only artsy ones I've gone to right. just because I, I, you know, I think it was $20 each or something. I too have stayed away from them unless it's like on the lower end, like $20, that type yeah. of thing. So um, what uh, do you have anything? Well, you did mention that you're kind of waiting on a set of miniatures to come in for delivery. I have actually three games in the delivery mode right now but they are i don't know what's going on with the whole shipping thing apparently uh there's not a lot of uh a lot of boats coming over from china (laughs) well slow boats from china very slow boats or they're stuck in port for some reason or another i've got uh u-boat which is a really cool uh german submarine cooperative app-based game that's got lots and lots of miniatures and such. Oh, that sounds cool. And um, I might play that with you. I, I actually thought about you when I was back. I was like, who can I get to play this? That's one of the things yeah. that I always try to think about, too. Um, it's on its way. And then another one that I backed, oh my gosh, like two or three years ago, it's the uh, Siege of the Citadel 2nd Edition. It's kind of a remake of a an original game. Yep. That sucker has been out for delivery for about eight months now and they keep sending me updates so apparently they're still doing it and then uh joan of arc which i talked about uh that apparently is getting ready for delivery here very soon so i got a lot of stuff coming and a lot of miniatures coming with them so let me tell you my 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 horror story i've never really ever like lost money Mm mm-hmm 
but there was a thing I backed in, well, the estimated delivery was in September 2015. Apparently, I backed it in September 2014, and it was a video game called Star Traders 2. I get emails from this idiot and his company like every day. I think he has made seven video games. I don't even know if he's made Star Traders 2. Wow. Like it started as this like empire building, galactic spanning, whatever. And then like he started to make other games and now they have like a space fight simulator that's sort of in there and and then and they're in alphas and betas and I've stopped paying attention to it. So essentially I've probably got burned on that because mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ever going to play this game because here we are like six years later. Wow. And this guy's got like a multi-million dollar company, and I'm, I, you know, I'm just talking out my butt here. I have no idea whether this was a scam or whatever, but it took so long that I've essentially given up on it. There, it might, it might, ha- he might have produced it three years ago. I have no idea because I stopped paying attention. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same way with the Siege of the Citadel. It was supposed to be delivered in October of 2017, and I still haven't gotten anything. And who knows? Uh, they keep telling me that it's coming. It's coming. So what is your favorite Kickstarter that you well, have Well, let received? me tell you about the ones I'm waiting on now. Oh, you're still waiting on. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, cause, uh, so I, I've, well, I've backed a total of 33 projects. Um, yeah, how many have I got? 31, 31. for me. Um, so uh, Sandy Peterson, who was involved in the Cthulhu mm-hmm. um, for uh, Call of Cthulhu, I believe it was. I think that was the version. He's doing a Cthulhu for 5th edition. Um, so I backed that. I got the electronic version. I'm still waiting on the hardcover. Um, I got the two movies we talked about. Uh, there was a, a pirate bundle. Um, so fifth edition having to do with pirates. I don't know. I get a lot of stuff that I can just sort of put on my shelf, and if I need them, I can pull them out. Um, Did you get those? No, I'm still waiting on those. Okay. That should be delivered soon, though. I think it's mostly electronic. Um, apparently, I backed something called Streets of Avalon, which is like a city setting. Um, just, you apparently yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and I just backed something for uh, painting minis. It's like a handle, like a mounting base and a handle, and it's got like a stabilizing bar. Oh, nice. So, you know, I realized that like if I want to up my mini painting game, I need to actually start to invest a little bit in, in tools. Do you paint your miniatures? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not very often, yeah. but, um, and then... Uh, there's a couple I'm watching too, and I'm also waiting on that Bones, which. But they told me ahead of time, you're not going to get it. I mean that that campaign closed in 2017. What September do you mean they said you're not going to get it? Well, they, they, the campaign was September of 2017, and they said delivery date is February of 2019. Oh, okay. So they said it's going to be a year and a half. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, which I don't mind. I mean, I knew that going in. Well, I've uh, I've gotten a lot of those Kickstarters that I've backed and I've not been burned except for those, you know, those artsy ones. Um, Being burned is for me, you know, did I get the game? I won't say that I got burned, but I will say that I got burned on the quality of some of the stuff that I got. It was not what I expected. I did get one board game called Load the Board Game, which was essentially a board game version of these uh, MMO things where they, on Twitch, where these teams battle against each other they're trying to go up against strongholds i don't even know it's a certain type of game but uh, i read the rules and the rules were so convoluted and so crazy that i was like none of my friends are ever going to play this and so now those minis are just kind of waiting for me to use them in a D game so yeah and that's i know that you do that a lot you buy things for the miniatures not necessarily for the game that's, that's so, why i own two copies of the conan game yeah yeah now the conan game was a very successful Kickstarter. I did not back it because I thought I backed something else thinking it was the game I wanted. And then when I found out it wasn't, I canceled it, but it was too late to get into the Conan game. So I bought the Kickstarter from a friend of mine who got it. Yeah. So I still had it. And that's the other thing about Kickstarters. I sometimes think that I, I look at the Kickstarter and I say, if is this something they're just going to then produce after the Kickstarter. Sometimes the Kickstarter's it. We're going to do the mm-hmm. Kickstarter, then we're done. So if I don't get on the Kickstarter, I'm not going to get it. But other times, they're just trying to get the capital to have enough money to produce the product. Right. And then after that, 
it's going to be on the shelf of my game store or I can get it online. Right. And if the difference is me paying $30 and it might never happening or I have no idea what the quality is going to be or paying $40 and being able to browse through it standing in front of the shelf of my game store, a lot of times I say, you know what, I'm just going to wait. This, you know, I don't feel strongly about if this ever gets made. Yeah. If it's there, cool, I might get it. So I've, I've started to, th- especially if it's a Kickstarter creator that does not have a history either in Kickstarter or in game design and development yeah. or, or publishing. I had one that uh, I had backed, and something about it just made me reconsider, and I canceled it. Well, lo and behold, they canceled too. It was, you know, fortunately nobody lost any money, but I have a feeling that had it been successful, it wasn't going to deliver on a quality product. Yeah, and there's actually a famous case. Um, I don't remember the the guy's name, but you can Google it. He's there. There was supposed to be a Knights of the Dinner Table live action movie. Knights of the Dinner Table, hilarious comic, uh, you know, relatively local guy, uh, Jolly Blackburn. He goes mm-hmm. to a lot of the conventions we go to. Uh, if you haven't checked out Knights of the Dinner Table, you can find they have an online strip. It's it's really funny for gamers. Um but they were supposed to do a live-action movie, and this guy was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, he scammed, took the money and ran, then did like four other game-related Kickstarters, took the money and ran. So that ran. Now this guy has a reputation, and I don't remember his name. But Aren't there any laws against this stuff? No. Kick, I mean, Kickstarter is relatively unregulated. Basically, mm. you say, I'm going to give this money. I know I might never get the product. Yeah. Um, so I pay close attention to who's doing the Kickstarter. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I'm watching now, um, Steve Jackson, is Same here. doing those box games, those little, but he's actually updating the cases because those cases back in the 80s for Car Wars, Ogre, Illuminati, all those early games. They were pretty janky. Yeah, the little tabs would break off all the time. But yeah. uh, So they updated the cases, but they're reproducing those games. And I think that's great because that's something I've been really big on in the last few months is breaking out some of these older games and they're still fun to play but as you had remarked earlier uh on another podcast you don't want to play them all the time yeah but having them out once in a while once or twice a year is kind of fun yeah and he's and it's structured in such a way that you're like "Eh, maybe i should just get them all (laughs) yeah it is it is and it is blowing up so folks if you're interested in that type of stuff it's the pocket box games of the 80s and um I think uh, you can pick how many games you get, yeah, and and yeah, how many and which ones, and there's yeah. all and there's add-ons and get folders, and I mean there's yeah. all kinds of stuff. But that's an example. That's going to be delivered. I know that's going to be delivered. right because he the is, person is reputable and he's been in the business for yeah, a very long time, and he has time. done other Kickstarters that have delivered. Right. So I pay a lot of attention to that now, especially if it's a substantial amount of money going out. Yeah. Um, you know. Now, I have three Kickstarters who are all being done by the same company, and that company is Mythic Games, and they have done successfully in the past uh, uh, Pantheon Battles, which is basically, you know, the Greek gods and such like that. And uh, I saw them with their uh, prototypes of Joan of Arc, Time of Legends. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful game. I played a game of it. It works very well. So I kind of went all in on that game. And it is in the final bits of being produced, and they're getting ready to start shipping it out. But I also have, they're also producing Solomon Kane, which is a character created by Robert E. Howard. And that's a totally different style of mechanics of a game with beautiful miniatures. So I backed them. I didn't back that as high because I can see where that game could possibly be a little hard to bring to my game table. But then, oh my goodness, they came out with something that just, it hit all the right notes for me. It's called Reichbusters Project Vril, and it's an alternative World War II history where, you know, aliens or some type of superpower kind of comes into play, and, you know, it's, it's you know, the Nazis are super Nazis, you know. They're not just, you like know... Like Wolfenstein Nazis? Yeah, exactly. And the miniatures were absolutely glorious. And so I backed that at a... Uh, at a base rate, I may do some add-ons, but it has been going through the roof, too. Um, all kinds of unlocks were done. So I'm going to have to build a new room 
just <laughs> for these three games because there are so many miniatures coming. Let me tell you the one I'm really excited for. Um, I got one that's going to actually close um, March 9th, so this podcast, uh, more than enough time for people to get in it. But it's called Immersive Battle Maps for Tabletop Role-Playing Games. And this guy essentially has put together a booklet of the heavy laminated cardstock, full color. Um, nice. And you get about, I think it was about 22, a variety of battle maps, like dungeons, boats, caves, whatever. And you can use dry erase or wet erase on That's them. That's really laminated. nice. Yeah. And they're 17 by 22, so they unfold in this booklet. They're all sort of bound. Mm-hmm. So you just lay the booklet down, flip over the page, and there's, you know, there's a there's a crease, but yeah. you get around that. But just if you need a quick map, it's perfect. And, That's really you know, nice. And it, it folds in half, so it's uh, 17 by 11. It's legal size before mm-hmm. you unfold it, and then it's double legal size. So, um, and that's a $40 pledge for, you know, a boatload of maps that I can just stick in my bag. Because a lot of times you want to run an encounter, yeah. but it doesn't really matter what the map is. You just need a map. Right. You know, something with trees and a, and a path, and you're, you're good. So so let's uh, let's give the our listeners that information again. These are the two that we're really excited about right now. The pocket box games of the 80s. Uh, Steve Jackson is doing that. And what's the name of the one you just did? Immersive Battle Maps for Tabletop Role-Playing Games. We'll put some links uh, in the podcast notes. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about Kickstarter and what the effect it's had on the gaming community. Um, This is going to be pretty esoteric. I mean, do you think Kickstarter is good or bad for the gaming community is it too many games too many promises you know, of great games what i mean i you know i read a lot of stuff online for gaming i try to keep up on the mm-hmm. news there are so many rpgs now there are i i sit and wonder how all those rpgs have a large enough following to be successful right I mean, you know, I, I read people, everybody's into Numera, they're into Woin, they're into all these sort of, and they're they're all fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day, our favorite phrase, we need a little sound effect when we say back in the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, get off my lawn. Um, you had a fantasy. Fantasy was the biggest one, right? Mm-hmm. And you had a handful of fantasies. You know, you had Rollmaster, Palladium, D&D, GURPS came along. Wasn't that was about it? That was about it. Then you had your western Boot Hill. Boot okay, Hill. If you're yep. playing western, that was Boot Hill. Um, then you had sci-fi. You could play Traveler or Star Frontiers. Right. Right. So you know there was a couple in each genre, um, but then that was it. Now fantasy has a million different games that don't differ. I mean, they're all fantasy. You know, if you tweak a fantasy, it's going to be low magic. Okay, I got it. Low magic. You know, right. Conan's low magic, high violence. We got it. Right. You know, as opposed to D&D, Forgotten Realms, high magic. You know, Lord of the Rings, you know, I mean, great evil, whatever. I just don't know how it supports. And that's my feeling with the Kickstarters. Like, okay, I'm going to throw another game out there. Do we need another game? Right. I mean, are you going to be able to get... Let's just stay with role-playing. Are you going to get your friends to learn another role-playing game when you've been so ensconced in a D&D or a Pathfinder game? And, and for what? Because you don't like the advantage mechanic or that they, D&D doesn't do stealth right? So I need to comp- come up with a whole new system. Yeah. It's what they call homebrewing. Just, you know, fix it on your own. If you yeah. don't like advantage, get rid of it. You know, that type of stuff. So I agree. There's a lot of role-playing games out there that I've never heard of, would never play. But are there enough people to support them? Well, D&D is more popular now than it was in the heyday of the 80s. There are more people playing D&D. And it was pretty popular back then. Mm -hmm. So clearly there are. I mean, these people are making uh, at least breaking even. I don't think anybody is getting rich off of role-playing games. Mm, uh, probably not. You know, I mean, you, there's ads for people who were game designers back in the 80s who are now, people have set up funds to cover medical expenses because they, they got nothing. They had no retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a hobby. It's just like being an artist, you know. It, it's, you got to go with your passion yeah. in life, but sometimes your passion doesn't pay off that well. <laughs> so, and, and how that relates to Kickstarter is a lot of people are very passionate about their game world. 
but nobody else cares. Right. You know, I mean, sad but true. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're sort of bucking the trend when you say, I'm going to ignore everything everybody's done before me. It's also a little presumptuous to be like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm a 25-year-old guy and I'm going to do it better than the hundreds of people who have already traveled this path. Right. I'm not saying game all these games are perfect, but at some point you're just you're reinventing you're, the wheel. Exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. You're reinventing the wheel and not to say, you know, why mess with greatness, because even D and D, as great as it is and as popular as it is, has its faults. Yeah. But you don't need to reinvent the game. So most of my backings are for accessories to mm. my game, some of which are are setting or game neutral. Right when I buy a battle mat, I can I can right. use you can that, use that any for anything. Game. I got those tinker coins. I use those for inspiration mm-hmm. at my game table. I have a slightly different version of how I do inspiration for D and D. You know the miniatures. I can use a variety of, right. of settings and games. I have some things that I do for both. I mean, I back a lot of board games, but I also back a lot of accessories, like you. Uh, I know that Greg. Most of his kickstarters are for dice, dice. or dice accessories. And, and, and that's if that's cool. your hobby, right. then that's perfect. Exactly. You know, you can get in, you get them a little cheaper. It's not something you need next week, mm-hmm. you know. You, you can wait. Yeah. Now, a lot of Kickstarters promise the greatest game, you know. They're, they're coming up with the greatest game. And having done a lot of Kickstarters, I am now picking these games that are... that they're drastically different from what I've seen before okay i'm not going to buy another version of risk regardless of whether yeah. it comes out on kickstarter or not okay yeah. um so the games that i'm coming up with are these games that have newer mechanics newer ways of interacting with the other players and the board and a lot of these i'm finding are the co-op games but but here, this gets back to is it worth the risk when you could just pay a little more after the reviews are in and you see that game on the shelf. And that leads me to the main next question. Not all of these are going to retail. The yeah. ones that I am backing, for the most part, do not go to retail. The only one that I know of that is going to retail immediately is uh, Crusaders I Will Be Done. But it will not have all of the extras that were in the Kickstarter. And that's what the smart Kickstarters have done. And that's what my friend does with the resale. Yes. So when he backed Kingdom Death, there were things that you could only, only get, get through the Kickstarter. And he would buy as many of those as he could. He would do the basic pledge and give me 10 of the, the mutant zombie, whatever. And then he'd jump on eBay and he'd sell them for twice as much and make back yes. everything he spent for his game. Right, because he Plus wanted all some. the stuff, and and maybe even a little extra. Yeah. Now some people view that as scuzzy, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're taking advantage of the system, but it's just an investment. Other people could do it. Right. I don't. I don't fault him for that. Um, that seems to be the sensible way to do it. He gets his game for free, but he's also risking that you know if he backs something and it bombs, he's sitting on these things. It's a gamble. He's basically playing the game of Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, and some of them are, are close to sure things. Kingdom Death, but again, you know, it has such a high barrier to entry. Like the, the initial pledge for Kingdom Death, like $500 or yes. something crazy. So, Well, let's talk a little bit about the money. What's the most that you have ever spent on a Kickstarter, if you're willing to say? No, I, I don't know. Um, most of mine average around $50 because I figure that most board games now – are for the most part quality board games are between fifty and sixty dollars. My average is probably a little lower because I, board games tend to run a little higher yes. than some of the stuff that I get. But um, surprisingly, my highest I thought it would be the Reaper that I backed because I spent one hundred seventy six with the add ons. But in fact, it was Zombicide Season Two for two hundred twenty dollars. Wow! But again, Season Two, I already knew the game. Right. They, I knew it was going to be produced. And I was getting stuff much cheaper. And at that point, the kids were younger. They really loved that game. Them mm-hmm. and their friends would play it a lot. Um, so it was worth it. I, you know, it wasn't at all risky in my mind. So I didn't mind putting two hundred twenty dollars out yeah. there. Now, my most expensive Kickstarter pledge was initially it was the Maiden pledge for the Time of Legends Joan of Arc, which was only one hundred and ten dollars. But then, because they're smart business people, they started putting on the add-ons. 
that, yes, I unlocked or got part of the unlocks, but then there are things that were not unlocked. They were only available if you added on. And so I had to buy the, uh, what is it, a 26, 27-inch Wingspan Dragon, which uh. definitely will appear in one of my D&D games. <laughs> and um, but in the end, $330. And actually, I was wrong. 176, that was the Bones 3, and I think that was the one that finished at Gen Con, during mm. Gen Con. I think that was the Kickstarter. I backed out of that for that very reason. Oh, okay. I also don't need more minis. Yeah. But, but yeah, $330 after yeah. everything. But I'm going to get, like I said, I'm going to, with everything that comes, I'll be able to set up an entire castle diorama with siege engines and artillery and this, that, and the other thing, and plays a 27-inch wingspan dragon in the middle of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, you know, I spent 135 on two copies of the Conan game, King mm-hmm. version, because it comes with like 100 minutes. Yes. And I was getting each one for, you know, what's uh, 70 bucks or yes, so. Yes, right. And retail, not retail. It is in retail. Retail, what's not being sold anymore, was $110, $120. Yeah. And I, with 100 I mean, essentially, when you buy unpainted minis, you're paying about a dollar a mini. So... It, Knowing I was going to tear one apart, I have a hundred minis. They're not ideal. A lot of them are duplicates, you yeah. know. But those are handy. I need guardsmen. I have you know fifteen pikemen, and yeah. they're just guardsmen, and they uh, work for you. Unfortunately, they have to be painted. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes unpainted play, uh, unpainted miniatures just act as placeholders. Yeah. So, um, Kickstarter is a great thing, and something that I've seen of late is they're trying to reboot some of these older games. Yeah. Fireball Island is probably the biggest one that I can think of right now, and it went like gangbusters. Really well-funded, and they put out the game. It's the original game, and then they also added some expansions and kind of tweaked it a little bit. What would you like to see rebooted? Anything from Days of... Days of Your... Days of Your, Days Gone By? You know... I don't know if there's anything I'm particularly looking for. I have there's this phenomena in uh, culture, at least U.S. culture, where when a group gets a certain age, they begin to want to collect the toys they had when they were kids. Yes, we saw that with like Rock'em Sock'em Robots about mm-hmm. ten years ago. Right. Um, we're at that age, and the toys we had when we were kids were these games. Yes. So. Um, I have I just picked up uh, a D and D basic set, the blue covered one. I had the the purplish red covered one. Reproduction or just no the, the original. original? I saw it on eBay. Mm-hmm. I, I just want it sort of for my collection. I'm never gonna play it, but, right? You know, it's something that I had it. It's long gone. I was like, you know what? I want that to go. You know, I also picked up the ODD box set um, a while ago, just because those are sort of you know the foundations of of my main hobby activity, right? I just picked up on CD the um, Traveler, the original Traveler, all the supplements. I got that directly from, uh, I think it's Far Future. That's uh, Mark Miller's company. It was like $35, which is much cheaper than buying the actual books online. Mm -hmm. Um, If I were to buy each of those books individually, it would be a huge amount of money. I would love to be able to have a physical copy of those books. So... That wouldn't be too bad um, if I saw something like that because I'm intending to start a traveler campaign um, here in the near future at some point. Cool. There is one game that I uh, would like to see redone again, and it's called Thunder Road, mm-hmm. and it appeals to my love of the Mad Max franchise. Yeah. And it apparently uh, could also be Bruce Springsteen, right? And you have Thunder Road, but, <laughs> yeah. but in this case, it's yeah. not as Mad Max. Right, but it was essentially a... Uh, a a race game, but the board, it was kind of neat. The board, when you were done with one part of the board, you picked it up and put it at the end of the next board. So it was yeah. this ever yeah. running board. It just always kept going. We did an auto duel uh, campaign and uh, for Car Wars. And we actually had a highway battle. <laughs> That's the yeah. cool thing about a highway battle. You just pull it from the back and put it on the put front. Put it on the front, right. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to see that one redone. Um, that one right now, if you try to find it on eBay, is running between 65 and 100 bucks. Yeah, so that's probably my answer is these games that I wouldn't mind having or playing again mm-hmm. but don't want to spend a fortune 
yeah. reacquiring. Yeah, and I love the fact that Steve Jackson is redoing some of these games because it's some of those games that we've actually had, and I had as a kid, and it's nice that he's bringing them back. Yeah. So, ironically, you know, I talked about I, I would love to see the Traveler stuff, but I own a shelf full of Mega Traveler, um, which I could run without having to spend any money. But my intent is I want to get back to running Traveler. So when I go to conventions, I can offer it because I just signed up for GaryCon. Uh-huh. My top pick when event registration opened was a Traveler game. Filled up before I could get in. Yeah. It was my first click. Mine too. Um, so I said, well, if there's that much demand for it, I can run it. I've run it in the past. I just haven't run it in you know, 30 years. But um, so... And if I'm going to do that, I want to run Classic Traveler as opposed to Mega Traveler, which I own, you know, s- multiple copies of, of each of the books. Right, yeah. There's a number of games that uh, were these box games, and I don't mean like the Steve Jackson plastic box games. These were by Dwarf Star games, and they were in a paper box. And I rediscovered one most recently called Barbarian Prince, but there was another one called Demon Lord, which is not in print, but you can get downloads for it. That's a game I'd like to see restarted, but... Yeah. You can download the images and make it yourself. And and it goes together nicely with the fact that a lot of these people who made these games didn't don't have the money from that. No. They never made a ton of money. No. If they can supplement their income a little bit, you know, in retirement, more power to them. Right. Yeah. You know? So let's get into uh, the last part of our segment here with the Kickstarter. Um, some Kickstarter tips for if you haven't been in Kickstarter, and I would be surprised if anybody listening hasn't done kickstarter but there may be a few people out there who are still wading into the uh into the morass of of kickstarter um what makes you or any of us back a project yeah so i mean the first thing it has to be something that catches my eye that i'm like then you really have to think do i need this do you know it's way easy to just click on stuff that you you don't need cannot i will not add that to my metric do i need this (laughs) i will not add that because no i don't need another game that's probably true (laughs) but there are some stuff that you know there was one recently that i looked at and i was like should i should i back that and sometimes i'll back it just because i want to support the creator Mm -hmm. um the Goth, uh, Batman Gotham City Chronicles. Uh, it, I don't even know. I don't remember what it was, but I had initially backed it. It was like $140. It had some minis, and I don't know. And then I was like, I'm never going to use that. Yeah. Um, it First off, it has to intrigue me. Like the Reichbusters, that whole thing, it yeah. hit all of the right marks. It hit the alternative history. It hit the you know the World War II setting. It hit all kinds of things. And, I, and first off... It was also by a backer I trusted, or not a backer, a creator, producer, yeah. creator that I trusted. And so I've said, yes. And that's my second thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I click on that creator and I see what have they done and what have they backed? Have they been active yes. in Kickstarter or are they just looking for the money grab? Mm-hmm. And I have considered some other Kickstarters because so-and-so has backed this because now you get notifications through Kickstarter. Um I've given it some thought, but then again, it doesn't quite always trip my trigger, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the theme, of course, as I said before, you know, it's got Conan. When that came out, I misunderstood what game was being kickstarted. Yeah, because there were two at the same time. Yes. I remember that because I, I had almost clicked on the wrong one as right. well. And I had to cancel the one because it was not the one I wanted. Yeah. The other one was a miniatures-based game, which I don't know if it really ever got delivered or produced i don't i don't remember i think i saw some demo of it but i don't think i've seen anybody ever play it right yeah i don't think so um it was the kickstarter for the board game that i was interested in by monolith games but i missed out on that one and you did so yeah what about minis it yeah, seems like you can't get a game anymore. That's when I buy board games. Is, is I'm always looking at, is it 28 millimeter scale? <laughs> right. Can I can I harvest those mm-hmm. minis? Yeah, um, yeah. The Joan of Arc one that I did is not uh, 25 millimeter. It's 15. Yeah. Um, and I know that's not going to work for me, but I don't want to play this. I mean, I don't want to use the miniatures for outside of this game. Yeah. Now they have that epic scale miniatures, which is bigger. Than twenty eight, it's like they're big and big enough that they look 
supersize. Yeah. You can still use them on a one-inch grid. But What are they, like 30, Yeah, 35? 30, 32, 35, something yeah. like that. Uh, 210 to 11, whatever right. it takes. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a um, an entry-level cost for Kickstarters? What do you mean? Do you have a limit? I mean, my limit is about 120. Uh, if my, the, if the base, you know, the the base one is. Well, is, I have this app on my phone that shows me my bank account balance. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, you can't make that. <laughs> no, um, you know, again, I've dropped what 220 dollars mm-hmm. on Zombicide. My other next biggest one's probably 175 on Bones. I guess After that. If I'm dropping more than $50, I'm starting to get a little wary. Okay, that's what I'm getting at yeah. is I know $100 sounds like a lot, but if something's like 50 bucks and it looks intriguing and it looks kind of promising and it's got some history in terms of the creator, I'll back it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I've spent $50 on a video game even back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten home and I'm like, this game sucks. Yeah. So, you know, that's you're taking a little bit of a risk, but... You're still there. Over 50, that's when I start to really consider all the factors. It, one, am I know, do I know this is going to get delivered? When is it going to get delivered? I can get hit by a bus tomorrow and mm-hmm. never, never see this thing if it's three years down the road. Does the creator have a ta- track record? Am I getting good value for my money? Would I be able to buy it after the, you know, on the shelf for $5 more with no risk. Um, and I see a lot of that lately now, that you're not saving a lot of money. Ideally, right. in my mind, I'm giving you the money up front because I want to save a lot of money. That's not the case in a lot of these Kickstarters. You're not getting it for a lot cheaper unless and it's yeah. Kickstarter exclusive. Biggest thing for me are the unlocks. Yeah. What have they got planned for unlocks? When they just say, and you'll get all the unlocks at a certain point. A lot of Kickstarters now already have those unlocks planned. Oh, yeah. The and, good ones do. Yes. And I want to see what those are. Which is sort of ironic because originally I think the concept for Kickstarter was like normal Joes like you and me have an idea. We want to do it. You mm-hmm. know, I want to produce a supplement for fifth edition, but I can't afford to pay artists who deserve to be paid for their work. So I want to put it on Kickstarter, you know. But in fact, most of the products now are established creators. Yes. It's game, at least in the game field. It's become part of their business model. Yes, it's part of their business model. And that's both good and bad. I mean, essentially, um, yes, they get an idea of whether a product, there's a demand for the product ahead of time, but it's bad because we're not really getting that much out of the deal. As contributors, we save a little bit of money, but they're not giving us a discount like early days of Kickstarter with mm-hmm. these individuals. Now, my dice tower, uh, this is my my story. I'll post a picture of my, my awesome dice towers. I, I kickstarted this. I think it was about $35. There, It's a much sturdier dice tower than any other dice tower I've seen. It's laser cut. This guy did it in his apartment. Um, I mean, that dice tower, if I tried to buy it on the market today, it would with those two, the tower in the case would probably be $80 mm-hmm. at least. Okay. I got it for 35 but the guy drastically overestimated his ability to produce these. He's running a laser cutting machine in his apartment with apartment <laughs> wiring. He blew out like three <laughs> somethings. I mean, but he was honest about it. He's like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm having trouble here. I'm, I'm, he was getting like five out a week, you know, and he wow. had like 300 to do. So it was a very late delivery, but mm-hmm. at least he was communicating. You know, yeah. um, that's what Kickstarter was originally meant for in my mind. Now, I don't know if this guy ever could made any more or this traumatized him enough that he decided <laughs> he was not going to do it anymore. Yeah. But he needed to buy the laser cutting machine, which was like three grand or something. I have a friend of mine who's been uh, dancing around the idea of kickstarting his uh, D&D adventure that has been very popular with his gaming group. And then it was he was requested to come run it at Gen Con last year. But he's running into all those issues of how do you pay a credible artist to do the artwork and mm-hmm. all the printing and who's going to ship it and all this type of stuff. And I, I have a little bit of experience with that, so maybe put him in touch with me. I'll okay, give him some tips. I will do that. So that is our Kickstarter podcast. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't been on Kickstarter 
and you're looking for a new addicting hobby or pastime to, to pass those hours, uh, right? you know, uh, check it out. Yeah. Uh, be careful out there because there are some, make sure you do your homework when you're going to do your Kickstarter. Yeah. Backing. And don't spend money you can't afford to lose. It's like going to the casino. Mm-hmm. Don't ever go to the casino with money you can't afford to lose because I have never heard of a casino going bankrupt. That is very Casinos true. Casinos and insurance companies. Unless they want to go bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Atlantic City. You can do the research on that one. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that has been our podcast for today. Uh, and here's where it's a little tough because Greg normally does this and he does it so well. But uh, he, if was, you w- he was had so much going on this week. But we'll be he'll be back for the next one. Don't yes. worry, guys. So if you got something to say and you want to reach out to us about your Kickstarter horror stories or the things that you really enjoyed about Kickstarter, you can contact us on Facebook at the Grognards or on Twitter at T Grognards and on Instagram at the underscore Grognards. We also have an email, which I can't for the life of me remember right now. So we'll <laughs> just check in the show uh, notes. Listen to another podcast and you'll get the email. There you go. And for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. And I'm Eric Holly. Game on. 